G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. I've written extensively about our beauty and we are beautiful from within, that's where it begins, and how we see ourselves is so important. And I love Psalm 139 when it talks about we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ever find it difficult to say no? Are you so busy that life is becoming overwhelming? Are you tired of looking at others and thinking they seem to have it all together? Our guest today is Peter Sorkia life coach, author, former pastor and teacher who has helped numerous people get their life into balance. She has a passion for encouraging women to fulfill their God-given purpose. We're going to discuss that and more with Peter Sorkia, our guest today with my wife Kate and myself Brett Ryan for Focus on the Family Australia. Well, welcome again. Thank you for having me. Going back to the BSB, to breathe, to yes. surrender, and to be. Yes. Just to be still and know that he is God. Have you got an example that you've seen in your practice about helping someone try and live this out? Yes. I worked with a woman who had her mother in palliative care, so she was um, soon to be not of this world. She was going through quite a painful divorce at the time, so she'd gone out to get a job. She was the team leader in a busy call centre and this woman was perhaps in her 40s and they were all late teens or 20s, the team that she had. So they were young people Mm -hmm. and so it was very stressful. And so she was just absolutely stressed out. So she came to me for coaching to help her just get some peace in her life because her life was really full on. There was a lot going on. So I taught her this BSB. So incidentally, the S for the surrender is, God, your will, not mine. Mm -hmm. Your will, not mine. Because we think we know the way, but we know that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. So surrendering to his ways is part of that acronym. And then the B, just be still. And you might use Psalm 4610, which is that verse, be still and know that I'm God. But I often use Psalm 23, Uh, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. We don't like being told to slow down, do we? We need to slow down. We need to stop. So he makes us lie down in green meadows. So as we rest in him, then he can replenish us. So I taught her what God, I felt, had told me all those years ago was just hang out with me for 10 minutes every hour Mm. as a burnout victim Mm. in ministry And so I taught her to do this every hour because she was highly stressed just to stop for five minutes. Now, research in the US says that workers who stop every hour for 10 minutes and take a break are more productive over their eight hours than if they work straight through without any breaks. Mm. So it's important to take that break. So I taught that to her. So she put that in place. Within six to 12 months, everything had sorted. She was a rested, relaxed woman. She said Mm -hmm. it saved her life. And she then 
gave up the job. Uh, there was a bit of an inheritance from her mother's estate. And she now travels the world. Well, not last year. Nobody travelled no. in 2020. But she was travelling and she was ministering in a whole lot of different ministries around the world and then coming back to work and saving up the money to go again and go somewhere globally mm, and wow. minister. So mm. that changed her life. Another woman that I'm thinking about, uh, she has a very important role in the government and she's a mum of young kids with an unchurched husband and uh, she works very long hours and so she now takes a break maybe three or four times a day and gets out of the office building so she's had to be on site for the whole of lockdown Mm. and so walks around there's a bit of a park just walks around the park and prays and does that bsb Mm. so that she can just replenish and come back into her busy work environment Mm. it's great and it's so simple and we need to have simple things in our lives (laughs) what would you say to a mother right now about trying to get this balance right and having time with god Yes, I worked with a woman who said, I don't know how I can find these moments. And fair enough too, especially in lockdown, it was hard to have time when Mm. the kids are there as well and she's working from home as well. So, you know, we can start with five minutes a day. And so I just said to this particular woman, what time do the kids get up? And that was whatever time it was. And I said, what time can you get up? What time can you make available then? So I left the ball in her court, really, and she said, well, I guess I could get up 15 minutes before the kids. Yeah. And I went, wow, okay. So that's not a bad idea. If you start with five minutes just before the kids are up mm. and then make that a bit of a habit, maybe it'll lead to 10 minutes and 15 minutes. Mm. But we don't want to be condemned because we're not praying, we're not spending time mm. with God, but we do need to spend that time so that we can be refreshed because in my life that's the only way that I have been able to stop because yeah. I'm a I'm a person that wants to get things done. I've got lots of goals, mm. I've got people that I want to help and I'm a bit of a performance orientation person so I've had to learn that God it's not about my performance it's about being in you and doing what you want for your good not mm. to have anyone else applaud me. Yeah. So as we just seek that little bit of time from God and start off and receive from him, I'll tell you, you'll get so hungry, you'll need to do it. That's Mm. what's happened to me. I'm so hungry for my time in the morning, I've got to do it. I can't do life without that time. And it wasn't always like that. I just started small. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I'd say, if it's hard for you, find five minutes. Another thing, one of my clients, uh, she said, well, where do I go to do this? How can I get that time when my house is full of people? Mm. And so I say to people, can you find a little spot in your home So this particular uh, woman suffered trauma in her childhood, has some health challenges. She set up a little area in her home that she calls her altar. She has a beautiful chair there and she's just made that little corner for her time with God. She's got her Bible there Mm -hmm. and that's where she goes. So again, it might be just five minutes, it might be 10, it might be 30 if you can do it. It might be in the morning, it Mm. might be in the evening. There might be a couple of spots in the day if you Mm. happen to be working from home. Uh, where you can just have that time and read the Word, seek the Lord, let the Word speak to you. Mm. Let the Word bring something to you. Or just say, God, I'm in this state, I don't know what to do. You know, and Just do the BSB yeah. and listen. God wants to speak. As a busy mum, when my boys were little, three of them, hanging clothes on the clothesline was my time with God. 
I would go out there and just pray and talk to him about what was going on in the day where I was at. It was always my space. I remember Brett saying, I'll come out and hang the washing out with you. No, <laughs> no, I appreciate that, but I'm just going to hang with God. So I've kept that going Literally. and I never go and hang out for washing <laughs> just so she can have a quality time with God. <laughs> but it, oh, it, it's always been kind of my special place. It was outside that. and the yeah. kids knew that I was going out there, and but they didn't follow me. It was very interesting. Maybe they thought I was going to ask them to help. Um, yeah. But it seemed to be the only place they didn't follow me because, you know, as parents, they used to follow you in the toilet, Absolutely. everywhere, yes. but not to the clothesline. <laughs> so I, I kept that one going. Well, I have met a kindred spirit with the clothesline. <laughs> I love hanging washing. I don't like housework, but I love hanging washing. Oh, there you go. And my husband, like you, Brett, leaves that to me. It's a great time. If that's the time mm, when you yeah. can meet with God, then that's the time. Yeah, great. That's right. Love it. As a life coach, women come and approach you for a variety of different issues. What are some of the things, and then what do you do when they come up with those issues that keep on resurfacing time and time again? Look, I think the biggest one is stress. That tends to be number one. Number two, followed very closely behind that, is boundary issues. So this is a big one with most women particularly, and men, but most women I find have a problem with putting boundaries in place because the nurturing instinct is there. They have to do for everyone else so they don't put a boundary in place to look after themselves. So we come back to that self-care mm. again. Yeah, They don't put anything in place so they're at the bottom rung of the ladder and so everybody else's things, jobs, needs are met so but you're not learning, their own. You, so you're teaching them how to say no? I do. And it's a real struggle for many, many mm. women. Yeah. Especially if they're people pleasers. Yes. And also you mentioned earlier about driven to succeed by doing things for other people and that's where we get our identity. But you try and bring them back to the basics about our identity is in Christ, not necessarily what we do, but who we are. Yes, yes. Yeah, I've written extensively about our beauty and we are beautiful from within. That's where it begins and how we see ourselves is so important. And I love Psalm 139 when it talks about we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, God created us from the beginning of time. He knew us. And so we are special. We are beautiful. We are amazing. And so we have special gifts and strengths. And, and so that's who we are. And God then enables us to be what we are as a result of that and to do what we can do. So we need to look after who we are and do what we're called to do. But if we say yes to everything, we are not doing what we're called to do because we don't feel that that's what we can do. But if we believe God, then we are called to do this. We don't have to please people. We want to please God. Yeah. So we always come back to God. What is it that you've called me to do? I am okay as I am. I don't have to be a performance-oriented person to please other people. I want to look after and care for other people, but I'm here because you have a calling and I please you and you are pleased yeah. with me. Our guest today is Peter Sorkia for Focus on the Family, Australia. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. 
Welcome back to Focus on the Family Australia. I'm Brett Ryan. Peter Salk here is a life coach and motivational speaker. She has helped countless people experience greater peace, better relationships, communication skills, time management, inner self-confidence, and self-image. You were saying about stress as a factor and the lack of boundaries, but going back to this, you know, their identity and they're wonderful and they're beautiful and what do you say to that? Another issue is that low self-esteem. I was actually going to say, for women who say, I'm too broken, what can I bring to the table? I've got nothing. Yes, I've got a couple of clients like that right now. You know, there's hope, isn't there? When you know the Lord, there's always hope. Mm. When you're broken, God is the ultimate fixer of brokenness. Mm -hmm. And so as we come into that place with him and walk through the valley with him, he can heal us. Sometimes we have to go back to the broken places, and I think mostly we do. And that's what I call the valley experience. We walk through that valley. Mm -hmm. And David, when he penned uh, that in Psalm 23, he walked the valley and he went through that terrible place. So as we go through, God comes with us, he heals us, we come up stronger, we come up wiser, and now we can march forward with him. Mm. And so we can begin to be who we're called to be and be strong in him. Because he's restored us. Yes. So God can use you and he'll use your brokenness. Mm. So I worked with a woman with an eating disorder, and so her journey from brokenness to wholeness has been a lengthy journey. Yeah. It has been an amazing journey for me to walk with her and see her. When I first met her, she had a feeding tube and was in hospital and she could only take 15 minutes with me. And that several years has now brought her to a place where she knows what she's fighting. She's fighting an enemy who wants to do her no good. Mm. But God has strengthened her, given her the knowledge that she is created for him for a purpose. That's wonderful. And she helps other people who are now in that situation, Mm. and she is able to help them Mm. as a result of her journey. So God uses our brokenness. My brokenness in my marriage situation for those first 20 years, God has used that. Burnout, God has used my visitations with burnout to help other women or men not go through that. So whatever is your broken place, I always say he's making a message from your mess Mm. and he's making a testimony from your tests. Mm. So he's going to use those painful places that you're in at the moment. If you can hang on to hope, if you can hang on to the word and get some help if you need that, someone to support you. Mm. If you're going to have to put in boundaries, get somebody to walk with you because boundaries are hard. Mm. But if you need to do that, get support, get godly support so that you can walk through those difficult places with help and with someone who's going to help you look up. One of my clients, I was working with her and in the middle of our Uh, I think it was a 12-month or 18-month term that we had set up to start with. Her husband died in the middle of that term. Mm. And that was not too sudden. I think she had about four weeks. Right. And so we processed that. It was horrible. I Mm. honestly didn't know. I didn't have a lot of experience with grief counselling or coaching at that time. But, you know, I thought, what can I do? Well, I I have been through grief. My father died suddenly one day. Um, 40 years ago, he went down the street for bread and milk and he didn't come home. Mm. So I have lived through grief myself Mm. and God has certainly helped me 
through that process. So I thought, well, what can I be for this woman who's lost her husband? I haven't lost my husband to death, but I've lost a father. Mm. So I can help her find people to support her. There were people saying to her, tell me what I can do to help. And she would say to me, I don't know what, I don't know. So I'd say, okay, list down all the things that you need help with. And when somebody says, tell me what I can do to help, you've got a list. I've got this list. Yes, because you're in a helped. fog in grief. Yeah. yeah. Two years yeah. it takes before you can make mm. any decision, I think mm. James Dobson mm. has said. I remember yeah. him saying that. So um, I just um, worked with her as best I could. And after the fact, she comes back to me and she says, Peter, you helped me and you reminded me to always keep my eyes upwards. Mm. Yeah. To look up in the midst of my grief, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my struggle. You helped me keep my eyes up. And there'll be many people who are going through that right now and they're going, I need to do that. And I'd love to have that person to come alongside me to make me accountable, to look up. And many people feel alone. They feel isolated. They feel disconnected. But the principles are still there because we're never alone. That's right. We've always got a heavenly father who wants only what's good for us. Yes. And uh, he wants us to put in those boundaries. Yes. Because he wants to restore our soul. And so what other things could we do with regard to putting those boundaries and learning to say no? Mm, that is such a good question. <laughs> boundaries are tough. Mm. They're not easy because we've done things a certain way and the people in our world who might be boundary pushers are used to us not having those boundaries. Mm. So when we start to put boundaries in place, we actually become a different person. Mm. So we have to be very, very careful before we start implementing Mm -hmm. boundaries to really think them through very carefully. So I always say the very first thing to do is get some godly support, get some help from somebody who understands boundaries so that you can talk it through and just talk about perhaps what are the most important things that you want to put in place. And maybe you're not going to put those in first because they're pretty tough, but you might put a lesser boundary in place. I've got a funny boundary story. Can I tell you? Yeah, 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 tell us. (laughs) A member of my family for years in the winter wears two pairs of socks for cold feet. Mm. And so they would put those two pairs of socks, one inside the other, as they are in the laundry basket, just like that, as they come off the foot Mm. still together. So I would ask this family member, can you please separate them? Because, you know, they need to be separated. And if I forget, I don't notice them when they go in the wash. They're quite hard to separate when they're wet. Mm. So I asked and nothing happened. So I thought, okay, it's time to put a boundary in place. So I said, okay, can you please separate your socks, and if you don't, they might just end up coming back to you as they are. So what was that? Well, it's a boundary and it's a consequence, Mm. okay? It wasn't said in anger, so it's very important with boundaries. Don't say them when you're angry because they come across wrong. They have to be said in love and with a a right spirit. And so I said that. There wasn't much response. That was okay. But the next time that they appeared in the wash, still together, I washed them like that. And it's really funny. You're a washing girl. I am. So, you know, if you've got two pairs of socks or one inside the other and they go in the wash together, the sock that's inside goes right down into the toe into a hard ball. Yep. So they went that way. And so they just came back that way. So we had a pair of socks with another pair inside down in the toe. And wet wet, still. Yep. Hung out on the line like that. And then put back in the pile like that. So that happened for six weeks. 
Wow. The two pairs of socks, the wet toes with the second pair. After six weeks, miraculously, that didn't happen again. Right. I didn't say another word. Six weeks was a long time to learn. I know. (laughs) I know. But there you go. So that's just a funny, easy boundary. So you might need to practice a boundary, just a very little, easy, fun one to get the hang of it and then carefully think about the consequences because if you bring in a hard boundary, there's going to be what I call World War Three because mm. you're suddenly a different person. Yeah. So what might that look like? Be prepared for that. The it, negative consequences. The negative consequences. Mm. Yeah. If you give in with the negative consequence that you haven't been prepared for and you don't keep that boundary in place, you are much worse off mm. than yeah. before you started. Yeah. You've put a boundary in that you haven't kept and as a result – that person thinks they can just push through. The tough ones, you need some godly support. So Mm. don't do anything without that godly support. Think about the consequences. And I say write down your boundary statement with the consequences and then practice speaking it, Mm. not in anger, but practice speaking it beautifully and the truth in love. Mm. And I think when you see it, you've got a couple of senses, you're speaking it, you're hearing it, you're saying it, using a couple of the senses to get this boundary quite firmly in your brain Mm. because you're starting a new habit. And of course, with neuroscience, we know that that doesn't happen overnight. Mm. You have to build a new structure and the old structure has to be whittled away. So as you build that new structure, it takes practice, practice. So if you practice that boundary statement, it's going to start a new structure in your brain. You're going to be able to repeat it Because when they come back and try and push that boundary again, you might have to rephrase that boundary again and again and again. So it's good to have that practice and that thing written down Mm. and you've really started to work on that so that you can come back and say, well, this is what I would like to happen, this is what I need to happen, or this might happen. Is this more likely to happen with people pleasers? Yes, Yes. So one of my clients is a people pleaser and uh, in the workplace she has a very responsible position and because she is a Christian and she wants to be a light in her workplace, Mm. uh, she tends to take on her team's responsibilities and jobs for them. Whereas she's not meant to be doing that, she's meant to be managing them. End up enabling them. That's right. So she's had to learn to say, no, this is your role to do and come back when you have completed that. So that's been quite a challenge for her. But that for her has been an easy boundary because she's got some other tougher ones to commence in the future in the home. Now in the workplace, she's starting to put that in place. And she came the last session we had, she said, Peter, I've done this, this and this with the team. And I went, wow. So you've got somebody on your side who's supporting you you and cheering you on and encouraging you and saying, yes, you can do this. This is a little step in the right direction and you've done that. Mm. So now you can make another step in that same direction. And it frees you up too. Once you've learnt to say no, you don't have that, I suppose, guilt in the back of your mind. Oh, I should have been. All the should haves. Yes. I should be doing this and I should be helping them and I should be. Well, that's actually a good segue. I'd like to be able to ask you a question without notice. What would you say if someone came into your practice and saying, I just can't keep up with it. Everyone else seems to be succeeding and I'm not. Yes, yes. Well, that's comparison and the Bible talks about envy and it's not good for our bones. Mm. (laughs) Um, So I used to be like that with speaking. I would watch other speakers and I would want to be like them and then I would feel bad because I wasn't as good as them. And I realized I cannot be Victoria Osteen. (laughs) 
or Joel Osteen. I will never be them. I am me. So the first thing to recognize is we've been made in God's image the way we are meant to be. We're not meant to compete or compare with anyone else. Mm. That's the first thing I would say. You are meant to do it your way and be real. Be yourself. In Ephesians 6, when it talks about the belt of truth, Mm. the Greek word for truth there is be real. Be yourself. Yeah. So it's be who you are called to be, not be somebody else. So don't compare, number one. Number two, when you feel that you are lacking, then you feel guilty because you are not as good as someone. So guilt is a major, major problem Mm. with women. Mm. Apparently, I believe what I've read, 96% of women feel guilty at least once a day. Oh, Mm. wow. And so... It does not surprise me. The other 4% maybe have learnt that that's not worthy to do. They're Mm. getting free of this guilt. So when you start to examine yourself, if you're a woman listening to this, have a think about, do you feel guilty every day? Mm. If you do, have a think about this because it's not what you need to do. It's not good for you. And uh, Romans 8 talks about there is no guilt and condemnation for those who don't walk after the flesh but walk after Christ. Mm. So that's Mm. Romans 8.1. So if we are endeavouring to walk in the things of God and follow the Spirit's leading, Mm. if we're endeavouring to do that and we're endeavouring not to walk in the flesh, then we are not to be condemned or guilty. Mm. So if you're feeling guilty then actually you can say, hey, no, I come against that guilt in the name of Jesus. No, I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to follow my Lord who says, I am not guilty. I am whole. I'm made new. I am redeemed. And I speak to you, guilt, get out in the name of Jesus. So that's what I would say. Yeah, there you go. This has been very, very helpful. It and has. I'm sure that many listeners are saying, I need to put these things into place. Mm. Uh, well, thank right. you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute privilege, a bit of a dream of mine. So thank you for having me. Peter Sorkia was our guest today. To find out more about her ministry and to sign up for her daily gems and amens, go to Peter, that's P-E-T-A, empoweringyou.com. For more biblically-based resources for women, mums, and self-care, you can go to our website at families.org.au. On behalf of Kate and the rest of the team here at Focus, I'm Brett Ryan, and we look forward to you tuning in again for another edition of Focus on the Family. Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.